It's the 4th of July weekend, of course, and in Iowa City it is, of course, Jazz Fest weekend, and so here at Gloria Day, of course, it is Jazz Worship Sunday. The uh, 4th of July and jazz um, have at least one thing in common, that is that fundamental to both of them is the thing called freedom. The 4th of July celebrates the birth of this land of the free, although truth be told, and I have my doubts sometime, but I like to hope that truth still matters. Uh, doesn't seem as much as it used to, but truth be told, this land of the free was birthed 88 years, 11 months, and 15 days earlier for people whose skin was white than it was for people whose skin was black. 88 years, 11 months, and 15 days, if my math is correct, being the time between the Declaration of Independence was adopted by the Second Continental Congress and Juneteenth in 1865. Jazz evolving after Juneteenth and evolving primarily out of Southern black musical culture celebrates freedom in music, particularly the freedom of musicians to improvise, which is something you've seen and you'll, you'll continue to see. Uh, and from our worship leaders this morning, improvisation being when a member of the band takes a turn playing a solo that isn't actually written out notes on the page, but rather is improvised. The player uh, playing what their heart and soul and mind choose in the moment to play in a way that that is inspired by, and I want to say rhymes with, but isn't locked down and bound to what is written on the page. Growing up in college and in also in high school too, I received a very solid musical education, save for one exception, that being in the area of jazz, especially when it came to jazz improvisation. It was not something that was taught in the education I received, which I apparently means it was not particularly valued in the education I received. What was valued and taught, what I actually got pretty good at back in my, in my prime was playing exactly what was written on the page, which, let's be clear, is also great fun. I mean, um, I've been playing a little more here lately. Scott Vogelgesang recently gave me one of the parts for uh, Vivaldi's classic uh, concerto for two trumpets. If I can actually pull that off with him, that will be as much fun as I've had trumpet-wise doing anything at all, so I'm not putting that down. But I am also, in coming years, sitting at the feet of the likes of laz, jazz legends uh, like Jerry Zinn. <laughs> Jerry, why was that funny? I'm, Jerry's going to be my mentor, um, and I'm hoping to grow in to the fun and freedom of being able to improvise in jazz like I've never done in my life. Stay tuned. We'll see how it goes. But it's on my bucket list, and I've taken a few steps. Which, believe it or not, takes us to the Bible. <clears throat> and the book of Galatians today, which we've been reading for um, several weeks now. Uh, and I'm going to read part of what was actually assigned for last week, but I didn't preach on it, so I'm, we're doing a revisit. And then I'm going to read not all, but just a portion of, of what was the assigned reading from Galatians for today, which results, and I can't, I'm cracking myself up here, but it's an improvised lectionary. So <clears throat> I am not tied down to what was written on the worship planning page. And the improvised lectionary reading goes like this. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. 
For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not get gratify the desires of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right. For we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all, and especially for those of the family of faith. For freedom... Christ has set us free. Now, it may well be the 4th of July weekend, but we need to understand that the freedom Paul is talking about isn't political freedom. It is not, for that matter, even this country's um, prized religious freedom. For the freedom Paul is talking about here is spiritual freedom. The freedom won for us and entrusted to us by the supreme sacrifice, not of soldiers or founding fathers, but of Jesus, who freely gave and gives still so that we, free of charge, might be free forever, free with freedom, according to Paul. It is not only something someday in heaven, but is also something right here and now today, because for freedom, Paul writes, Christ has, as in already, set us free. The freedom he's talking about, in other words, is not the freedom of a country called America, but a kingdom called grace. A kingdom whose charter and preamble is the gospel that we are justified, Bible word, but it means we're made right in our relationship with God, not as the result of anything we've done or anything we ever could do, but rather by grace, grace being something that is an absolute unearned gift through faith, which Paul says is also a gift, not an accomplishment, faith in Jesus Christ and all that he has done for us. In Galatians, Paul passionately I mean, I suggested a few of that a couple weeks ago that you go home and read Galatians, and if you did, you saw this. In Galatians, Paul passionately wages a, a war of words against those whom he saw seeking to try to rob Christ's church of its freedom. And those of you who went home and read Galatians also saw that they were doing that by launching these theological attacks and 
throwing theological grenades and firing theological sniper shots into Paul's insistent proclamation that we are free, saved, now and forever, not by a single good thing we've done or ever could do by our own efforts, but rather by what Jesus has done for us and did do and will do for us. The spiritual enemy Paul is waging his war of words with, in other words, is the enemy who would pervert the gospel's good news of God's love for real people, sinners, into yet one more self-help version of you, get, you earn what you get from God by being very good at being very good and by being very righteous with self-accomplished righteousness. And since, of course, that's a game you really can't win if you're playing on the level of God's kind of righteousness, you end up playing a different game that you think you could win. That being in the game of you earn what you get by God, from God by being better than other people at being very good and very righteous. Then you gather with others who are righteous and religious just like you and you agree with them on some hand-picked social issues that you know are more important than anything else in the Bible. And together you and they compare yourselves to those who aren't righteous and religious just exactly like you are. And, and now you gather in your church which has now formalized its brand. Its brand being, wow, look at us. We are better than other people. Paul's book of Galatians is the church's declaration of independence from religion that is religion like that. Not by our efforts, but by Christ's efforts, Paul says, we are free. Free from a kingdom of religious requirements where hypocritically fake saints judge sinners. And free for a kingdom where we, all of us, all of us who are not at all fake, but in very real ways, both saints and sinners, live together, love together, forgive and are forgiven together in the welcoming and gentle arms of God's love, God's mercy, and God's so amazing that amazing isn't even an amazing enough word for it, grace. That is what Paul is talking about when he says, uh, speaks of the freedom in which and for which we, you, are right now free. But then he says this, and God bless America and God bless religious freedom, but listen to this for God's sake, both church and state. You were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. But through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Take careful note of what Paul by now has said. We aren't saved by what we do, but by faith in Christ and what he's done for us. That's why and how we are spiritually free, but it nevertheless matters. My goodness, it matters. It matters incredibly what we do with our freedom. For if we use our freedom self-indulgently and not for love, Paul says, then the very gift we cherish will become the very thing with which we destroy ourselves and destroy others too. Which, of course, is something you can see confirmed daily on virtually any social media platform you choose to peruse.
And so it bears repeating and remembering. If we use our freedom self-indulgently and not for love, Paul says, then freedom, the very gift we cherish, will become something with which we destroy ourselves and destroy others as well. Because to say that we aren't saved by what we do doesn't change the fact that it matters what we do. It matters because in this world, decisions and actions do have consequences. Consequences in the quality of our lives, consequences in the quality of our relationships with one another and with others as well. We are free, but it does matter. Oh my, says Paul, does it ever matter to others, to us, and to God what we use our freedom for? And on this 4th of July weekend, I want to assert that that is not only true for Christians and our freedoms, it is also true for Americans and our freedoms. It matters. It matters to us. It matters to others. It matters to God. What Americans and America use our freedom for. And the law, Paul says, the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That bears repeating and remembering. God's entire law is summed up in one command, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Which means that if God is to bless America, land that I love, and stand beside her and guide her through the night with the light from above, that will, every single time, look like and act like and be love. And if it isn't, and if it doesn't, then it isn't God's leading that we are listening to or obeying. I direct you again to your news feeds, where most of the things you see are not love, which means they are not of God, even if the people doing them and saying them are waving flags and singing God bless America. And actions in this world, including in this land of the free, have consequences. And if actions are precisely not love but hate, then the consequences will not be loving, but hateful. And it will not be freedom, but bondage that we are living in, as we are not free in faith, but imprisoned in fear. Not free for love, but bound to hate. Not living in the beauty of grace, which we can never deserve, but rather because actions do have consequences, living in the self-indulgent fear and hate and mistrust, which no matter where we aim them, will invariably return our way to become the prisons we live in. That is what Paul is talking about when he warns, do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for you reap whatever you sow, if you sow to your flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But not us, Paul says. Oh my goodness, no, not us, Paul says. Not Christ's church, Paul says. For we live in the Spirit, Paul says. And the fruit of the Spirit, Paul says, is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. There's no law, not one that comes from God's leading anyway. There's no law against those things. In the world, of course, and in this very nation that I love, and in the world of religion, including in the very Christianity that I love, 
It's actually not all that hard to point to both laws and practices that I would say clearly are against love and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and gentleness and self-control, but not, says Paul, in the kingdom of grace, which is to say in the church that is the church it is truly called by God to be and one day by God truly will be, and not also in the world that is the world it was truly created to be and one day by God truly will be. And we, says Paul, in this world so damned good at biting and devouring, we, says Paul, freely loved, are free to love, bearing one another's burdens rather than heaping burdens upon one another, lifting others up rather than lifting ourselves up over others, never growing weary in doing what is right even when we are weary of seeing so very much that clearly is not right, but nevertheless continuing to do what is good, what is truly good, because it's not just good for us, but for all and for one another. That, Paul says, is what it looks like set free by love, thus to be freed to love, then to discover that we are freer than we've ever been for loved, we are freed of fear, and loving, we are freed of hate, and loved and loving, we are free at last, truly to live. I know, sounds a little simple, but maybe the best things are. Tis the gift to be simple, tis the gift to be free, tis the gift to come down where we want to be. And when we find ourselves in a place just right, we'll be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and bend, we will not be ashamed. To turn, to turn, will be our delight. And by turning, turning, we'll come round right. Tis the gift to be knowing, tis the gift to be kind, tis the gift.